Welcome to the latest episode of the Streamline podcast. My guest today is a very good friend of mine and a bit of a legend in the music industry. His name is Rick Barker. Now, nobody tells Rick's story better than he does. So firstly, Rick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. No, my pleasure. Always good to chat with you. I don't know about the legend part, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, look, I said it, you didn't, so that's fine. You can, you can be humble, uh, but you're a legend to me, Rick, and for many reasons, which I'm sure we're going to get into in this episode. But if it's okay with you, I'd like to hand it over and just let you tell your sure. story as much or as little as you would like to share about what you've done and where you're at right now. Yeah. So for me, music has always been a passion. I never had the talent to be an artist. I never uh, had the resources growing up as a kid to take lessons. Honestly, too, is I don't know that my mind is geared towards taking lessons. I love to learn, but I hate to sit down and do things that are repetitive over and over and over again, like guitar lessons or things like that. When it came to soccer, I could hit 100, 200 balls a day. No problem. Everything was cool. But when it came to the music side, it just wasn't my gig, but I absolutely loved music. I learned and discovered early on that I wanted to be the DJ. I wanted to be the guy on the radio. Uh, I also uh, loved doing mobile DJ. You know, I'm 52 years old. So imagine back in the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, there weren't a lot of mobile DJ companies at the time. And living in Alabama, there definitely weren't a lot. So I started my own mobile DJ company with a buddy of mine when I was 16 years old and we were doing all the college parties and, you know, it was just, it was an absolute blast. We were going all over Alabama doing these parties. And then I got a chance to uh, work part-time at a gospel radio station. And that was the time when they had these big reel-to-reels. They would play the church services. And then at nine o'clock at night, I was able to take them off and play contemporary Christian music at the time and we would spin these on vinyls and I just love that freedom of being able to play whatever it is that I wanted to play at the time and it was really hard for me in the beginning talking on the radio because I was in a room with no one so this concept that I was talking to people but I couldn't actually see them took me a while to grasp onto and I was very awkward at it in the beginning but so fast forward ended up moving to California uh, to live with my dad I was, a, I'm a product of divorced parents. So I live with my mom in Alabama, moved out to California to live with my dad, uh, got into some trouble uh, there, ended up getting hooked on drugs. That addiction took me places that I never imagined it would. On April 4th, 1989, struggling with a crack cocaine addiction, I just felt that I was tired and I was done. So I got on my knees and I asked God to let me die. Uh, I felt that I was worthless. I felt that maybe he would be disappointed in me and he would take me out, not realizing that he had other plans for me. I'm not here to push religion on anyone. That just happens to be my story. But so on April 4th, 1989, I'm getting on my knees asking God to let me die. And in December of that same year, this little girl was born that her and I would end up coming together some years later. And it would end up reshaping uh, the music business as far as artists using the internet to grow an audience would be concerned. And I'll get to more of that here in just a second. But as soon as I got sober, first thing I did was I got my GED. I finished high school, stands for good enough diploma is what I tell people. Uh, <laughs> and I also heard an ad on the radio 
that said, if your friends ever told you that you have a voice for radio, check out the Columbia School of Broadcasting. So they were hosting this open house. I went to this event, being the smart aleck that I am and the constant asker of questions. I asked the guys, I said, hey, if you guys are so good, why are none of you on the radio and why haven't I heard of you? Uh, I was immediately asked to leave that event. No surprise there. But what I heard them talk about was getting internships. So I went out and got my own internship at Kiss FM in Los Angeles. It was at the time when Rick Dees was in the morning and Magic Matt Allen was in the afternoon. Hollywood Hamilton was at night. And I ended up getting an internship at, at Kiss FM. A little later on, just shortly after that, the Gulf War started and Saddam Hussein started dropping bombs and they were like, okay, we're in war. We need somebody to deliver the news. So they told me, go watch the TV news, copy down everything they say, come back in and deliver it. You're going to be the news guy. So I came in and I tried to be the best news guy that I could. I absolutely was terrible and sucked, but they loved my enthusiasm. So they allowed me to start driving the Kiss FM van around the, the streets of L.A., pulling people over, giving them money and things like that. Ended up meeting some folks from Santa Barbara. They requested an air check. Uh, what an air check is, is what somebody sounds like. It's like the audition tape for a disc jockey to get a gig. I didn't have an air check. The folks at Kiss FM helped me create one. I sent it to Santa Barbara, got offered my first on-air radio job and ended up doing my whole entire career in Santa Barbara. Spent 15 years in the area doing radio. In 2001, was asked to build a country radio station. Uh, and I felt, hey, I, I knew who Johnny Cash was. I was from Alabama. I was as qualified as anyone else in California to build a country radio station. So I did. And then I started asking those questions again. I've always been that, that seeker of information. So after asking some questions, I realized that there was a hole in the industry and I created a radio tour that actually got artists paid. And in doing that, put me on the radar of Scott Borchette at Big Machine Records. And in 2004, he asked me to come work for him at Big Machine Records as a promoter. Uh, what my job was is I had 70 something radio stations in nine states that I was responsible for getting the music played. I asked him why he picked me. He said, well, I say this as a compliment. It's because you're too dumb to know any better. And <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, okay, how is this a compliment? He said, listen, I'm starting this label with a regional artist out of Texas named Jack Ingram. Daniel Peck, who had already had a failed single at the label that he was at previously. And this 15-year-old that nobody had ever heard of named Taylor Swift. And I agreed. I took the job. He sent me the music. I fell in love with Taylor's music. About six months after that, he asked me to take her on this radio tour that I had created to teach her radio, not knowing that that 30 days was about to change both of our lives. Uh, she wanted to learn. I wanted to teach. I had also been a soccer coach for those last few years. And one of the teams that I coached was a girls high school soccer team. I spent three years at Dos Pueblos High School and realized that I speak teenage female. I don't know if it's a blessing or if it was a curse but realized that was God preparing me for Taylor. So when we got together, it just clicked. Six months after that, her parents ended up asking me to be her manager. I had zero management experience. I'd never managed anyone before. But what they said to me, which was super important, Mike, is they said, look, one is you believe in her. Two, you're not afraid to ask questions. And three, if you need help, you're not afraid to go out and get help. A lot of people see not knowing as a weakness. We see you understanding that you don't know is a strength because you're not afraid to go out and get the answer. So I took on Taylor. 
and was with her for a couple of years. And we went out and at the time we only had MySpace and we realized that we could get direct access to the fans, that we could share music with them whenever we wanted to. We were willing to stay after concerts, sign autographs, meet with people. And what I said to her was, and Polestar has covered this in a couple of different articles, but when they asked her why she chose me as a manager, she says, well, I told Rick I wanted a gold record. And he said, great, let's go out and meet 500,000 people. And he was willing to show me how to do it and was willing to do it with me. So that's how I ended up with Taylor. Realized uh, after about a year and a half, almost two years, that I was not cut out to be a manager. The traveling was getting to me. I had two young children at the time. And honestly, I feel I was a terrible manager because there were so many things that were out of my control. And I always liked things that we could control. And at that time, she was really starting to rise. And I was spending most of my day telling people no on her behalf. And it pained me. The development side is what I love. And that's what was missing. So I walked away from Taylor in 2008, went to work for Sony Records for a couple of years, uh, realized that there was a, a big hole in our industry. There were a lot of people that felt they needed a manager. What they needed was advice. They needed guidance. They needed coaching. And no one who had had success was filling that role. So I chose to fill that role. And in 2014, uh, I put my first program on the market, uh, helping artists understand the music business and started basically my coaching career. From then, I've gone on to help, you know, thousands of artists and, you know, over 16 countries and over 10 different genres of music really understand how to find their fan base and nurture that. And that's kind of where we're at today. I've got my podcast that's out. I wrote a book. I speak all over the, the world, I guess, because I go into Canada and things like that on the music industry. And I absolutely love it. My goal, I tell folks, is I want to influence millions of people with songs that I never wrote, songs that I never performed, by teaching artists how to go find their audience and get that music in front of them. Wow. Rick, I really appreciate you sharing the story. I, I know I, I mentioned I have heard your story before, but it's always nice to hear it in your own words. And I feel like there are a few parts there that I didn't even know myself. So thank you so much for being so open and so transparent in sharing all of that. My pleasure. Now, obviously, you've got one hell of a career. And have you actually put this into writing as well? Is there somewhere that people can pick it up and read your story? Well, not so much the story yet. Uh, that will happen one day. Uh, what I did was, is I started this video blog series called 25 Minutes from Nashville, where I would just turn on my phone and my video, and I would just talk about whatever was on my mind, whatever people were talking about in the industry. And then a friend of mine, Wade Sutton, came to me and he says, hey, I'm starting to write blogs for all these music publications. I would love to have something to give them. Could I take 10 of your podcasts, 10 of mine? And put them in, you know, this blog form into this book. So we launched the $150,000 music degree a few years back. So there's some of the stuff that's there, but I'm pretty open. You know, when it comes to social media, when it comes to uh, my podcast, you know, that I host, I'm an open book. You know, I, I figure that most of us as humans, we resonate with stories. So the more that I can share stories of, your past does not define your future. I'm living proof of that, that, you know, if you're willing to put in the work, you don't have to have a fancy music degree in order to be successful in the music industry. You don't have to, you know, have managed hundreds of clients to be successful as a manager. You know, it's like I'm living proof that sheer determination, hustle, and the willingness to go out and consistently educate yourself. I mean, I listen 
to audiobooks every single week. I listen to podcasts every single week. I subscribe to newsletters. I'm constantly learning. Hell, I went and got certified as a Facebook marketer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the only guy in the room in music. Everyone else are ad agencies, but I figure if the audiences are hanging out online, I want to learn how to get to them. I want to learn how to use this cheap real estate we call Facebook. Say, hey, if I can spend a couple hundred bucks and get my message to the right person at their right time, not at the time I want to get to them, but at the time they want to get it, that could be very beneficial. And it's worked out really well for me so far. Yeah. And one thing I love is how you're so willing to just give this information away. I mean, yes, you've got a course. Yes, you've got a book. And we're definitely going to get into that as well. But the fact that just by following you on social media or listening to your podcast or subscribing to your email list, you just feed all this information, just put it out there for anyone that'll take it. And it's really easy to understand and really easy to follow. You know, I've learned so much from watching you and how you maneuver Instagram. And this doesn't just apply to you as a, as a teacher or an educator, if you will. This is stuff that any artist could use or any influencer or just anyone that wants to have fun on their Instagram. I mean, watching you go live almost every night of the week and bring guests on and turn it into this live talk show, it's inspiring. And I've seen those numbers increase and the amount of engagement that you're getting is fantastic. Well, these are tools, like you said, that are readily available to anyone. And what I, what I loved is that I have my own TV show anytime I want. I have my own radio show anytime I want. I have my own live action show anytime I want. All of you do as well. The thing was, is that I love the fact that as creators, and that's what all of us are, is we don't have to ask anyone's permission to do anything. I'm like, I don't have to go try to convince a big wig at a television, you know, conglomerate to allow me 30 minutes of time to share my message. I can go on and share my message anytime that I want. The thing that I want everyone to understand too, is that as much as it seems like I'm giving out free content, that costs me time. My time has a value. The time you spend, Mike, listening to my content, you have to put a value on that too because your time, everyone listening to this, put a value on your time. Now you have to figure out where is your time best spent because we invest two things. We either invest money or we invest time. They both, to me, the time has a higher dollar value than actually investing money into a course or anything like that. So. What I try to do is learn where I should invest my time. So every time I'm quote unquote giving free information, all I'm doing is trying to provide enough value so that when you decide that you're uncomfortable enough to want to make a change, and if I can provide that change, that I'm the guy you provide that change with, that you're the guy that you invest, that I'm the guy that you invest in, in order to get you out of your dilemma or whatever it is that's hosting you. So as much as it seems like, so as often as you as an artist, are doing Facebook lives or playing your music, quote unquote, for free, you're really not doing it for free. You're just laying the foundation for potentially having a financial investment at a later point when it's convenient for those people when it's right for them. You know, not, I always say everyone wants to buy, they just don't want to be sold to, you know? So what I'm doing is just saying, hey, when they're ready to make that financial investment to better themselves, Have I given enough value to them to say, this is the guy I want to invest with? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, from personal experience, you've given me 
So much value. You know, I always but, say, but, 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 but when I have a question regarding playlist, who do I call? You call me. Exactly. Why? Because you are the expert in that space. And because I feel that there's this reciprocity. Whenever you've needed anything and called me, I've delivered. Whenever I've needed anything and called you, you've delivered. So we have this, this mutual relationship. One of the things I swore early on is there was no way that I could become the expert in everything. That It changes so fast. Yeah. So I wanted to align myself with the experts in the areas that I knew would bring value to my audience. So, you know, this, this is the whole reciprocity thing and that's what i think a lot of people forget sometimes is that if you're the artist that's constantly showing up making people's day at some point they're going to reciprocate and you know help you when you need it whether it be an ep or a t-shirt or a ticket or a vote to get on a show or whatever it is we have to show up every day and provide value and that's what you've always done is provided value to my audience that's why i keep calling you when you stop providing value to my audience yeah i think you're a cool dude and all and when you're in Nashville, we love to hang out. But when you stop providing value, I'm going to stop coming to you. That's the same thing for you as a creator. When you when you start making it all about you and less about the relationship, then things can change. And right now, there's this great reciprocity that I'm very blessed to have. And I, and I hold my relationships dear because, once again, I don't want to have to go learn what you know. So as long as I keep sending your way and keep providing you value, hopefully you'll keep learning it. And I don't have to, because I don't have enough room in this brain for anything else. Yeah. Well, I, I can completely understand that. And I'll be the first person to say that, yes, I've got the, uh, the knowledge of playlists, but when we talk about other areas such as uh, social media ads, that's when I would go to someone like Rick, because you've got that information there. You've done the courses. You're one of the only people I know that's certified in Facebook marketing in the music industry, period. You know, I, I think that that is extremely valuable and that's why I'm grateful to have that connection with you that I can get that advice. And of course, in return, I'm more than happy to help you out in any way I can. And uh, I noted as well, Rick, that in a previous conversation, I believe this was when I was a guest on your podcast, and thank you so much for that, you talked about content swapping, how we can help each other and we can reach each other's audiences, and no one's really competing with anyone here. You know, we, we all have different strengths, and we're, we're all actually helping each other out. And you, I'm so grateful for that conversation because that's that's basically how I've how I've been able to do what I've been able to do in the last year or so since we recorded that episode. And um, wow, that was a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Time really does fly, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm, at, I'm up to 119 episodes and you were number 50. I know. That is... That is insane. That that shows how dedicated you are, and how how constantly there's there's news in the industry, or there's something that's popped into your head, and you just you just hit record. You don't hesitate. And I love the the fact that the format isn't always you sitting in a nice big studio with a professional setup. Sometimes it's you driving in your car. Sometimes it's you backstage at a concert with one of your artists that you're managing. Sometimes it's me sitting on a patio having a cigar, listening right. to some water fountains in the background, like we're doing right now bring it on i, I remember <laughs> recording episode 50 of your podcast i remember your dog ran off and you actually went off camera and uh, your dog was chasing some wildlife out in the backyard and uh, it yep. was me for about a minute 
just taking over your podcast and it actually made the final cut. So we, we got some fun stories. Yeah, we do in such a short period of time and we're only creating more. Yeah, that's it. So I guess what I want to know is you've got you've you've made some changes this year yourself as to work and what you're focused on now. What are you most excited about and what are we going to see next from Rick Barker? So one of the things that I really wanted to do was so I went to what's called Funnel Hacking Live. Russell Brunson has a company called ClickFunnels. And when I was at Funnel Hacking Live, I was watching, everyone kept coming to me saying, with the background that you have and what it is that you do, why are you trying to be the least expensive? And I thought about that for a second. And I'm like, you know what? They're right. Why am I trying to be the least expensive? Why am I trying to be there for everyone because I can't be there for everyone. There was even a point where I gave all my programs away. Uh, I had, you know, thousands of dollars worth of programs. I said, Hey, if you take this survey and tell me what your biggest pain in the industry is, I'll give you access to these programs. And what I started realizing was, is the programs that I gave away for free, no one was ever opening. It's like, here's all this valuable information that I've spent hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours and dollars putting together but no one was taking advantage of it because it didn't have a value put on it. There was no skin in the game for them. So I had to sit down and I started thinking to myself, I said, you know what? And I used this analogy for musicians. I said, I don't want to be that little crappy guitar that you bought for, you know, a hundred bucks that sits over in the corner that you haven't tuned in forever, or you don't care if it falls over. I want to be that Martin guitar that you want to pick up every day and you take pride in. So I put so much pride in creating my programs. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for a better client. I will always have free information. I will always have my podcast. I will always have my social media, my streams where I come on and answer people's questions. But if people are going to invest in me, more importantly, I want them to invest in themselves. So one of my mentors, I was at an event and I asked him, I said, Jay, I said, how do you determine price? He says, you continue to raise the price until they do the work, Mm. until they take pride in what it is that they purchased. If they haven't purchased it, they have no investment in it, no matter how much you've given it to them or gifted them. So I went in and I decided that here's the deal. I'm going to give every last person the opportunity that's on my list. It's been there for years, the opportunity to come into my coaching. And if they don't feel that I'm right for them, I'm okay with that, but I'm not going to continue to let them sit around and not do crap and then chime in on emails every now and then to correct my grammar. You know, it's like, it'd be a butthead. Uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm getting rid of all those people. I want the people. It's like, I tell the story about the coast guard. The coast guard has a rule. Their motto is this. When they fly up on a ship that's out in the water and they know that they cannot get everyone on that helicopter, who are they going to rescue first? They're going to do everything in their heart to rescue every person. But who do they rescue first? And their rule is, we will rescue those that are swimming towards us. We're not going to chase people. We're going to run out of fuel. And then we're all going to die. We're going to rescue those that are swimming towards us. So I have started focusing my attention on those artists that are swimming towards me that want to take what it is that I can teach them. But more importantly, will put it to action and put it to use for their music business. So. I've restructured my courses. I've made them very interactive. 
Uh, I went from doing two group coaching calls a month to every week uh, that I do these calls now. I I took a leap of faith. I got rid of a couple of consulting clients that were pretty high priced in, income for me every month that was guaranteed. And I walked away from that to put my sole focus on my business. And that's what happens, I think, sometimes is that we get so distracted with everything else around us that we lose focus on us. For an artist, you may have a job, you may be in school, you may be doing this, you may be doing that. What suffers when you have outside distractions is your music. What ultimately ends up suffering is the relationship that you have with your fans. So I took a leap of faith and eliminated well over six figures of income to be able to focus on my people, focus on my business. And that has been the best decision that I have made. I took time to focus on my health. You know, it's like if I'm going to shoot video, no matter how great the words that are coming out of my mouth, people still see, dude, you're a little heavy. You know, you need to, to work on that, you know? So, you know, at the, at the taping of this, I've lost 24 pounds in 29 days. I stayed focused on eating properly. I went and hired a coach, a nutrition coach, uh, someone who can help me with my health because left to my own measures, we saw the results. We kept seeing the same guy, weight up, weight down, weight up, weight down. Nothing looked healthy about what I was doing. So I practice what I preach. It's like, if I'm going to say you need coaching in order to move forward, I spend almost 50 grand a year on coaching, whether it be for coaching in my business, coaching in my personal life, therapy with my marriage. You know, I have coaches, people that coach me, uh, but it makes me a better person to be able to serve my clientele better. Mm. Wow. I, I must say congratulations on the weight loss as well. That's, um, you do look fantastic. Um, By the time you see me at the DIY Musician Conference, here's what's funny. So when I go on stage and speak in August, I'm going to put up a picture from the year before that I spoke at that conference where I was 261 pounds. Wow. And they're going to see that picture on how I tried to strategically dress with that black shirt that they, for a long time, people could tell what weight I was at because I'd always wear the same shirts. That was my comfy shirt. But when I'm going to be able to have a shirt tucked in and they're going to be able to see the difference that was made, then I'm able to, to practice what I preach. I'm able to say, look, I had to make sacrifices. I had to get rid of some things that I enjoyed, but I had to say, did I like Italian sweet cream in my coffee as much as I like being able to tuck my shirt in? Did I like, you know, eating at fast food restaurants as much as I like the compliments that people are paying when they see how healthy I look? You know what I mean? It's like, there's certain times we have to all make sacrifices, but really isn't a sacrifice if it's bettering you as a person. And if it will give me more years of life to be a father, a husband, hopefully a grandfather one day allow me to continue to serve my clients. You know, it's like the one thing we don't get is any younger. I can tell you that straight up. You know, I'm 52 years old. I'm 27 years sober. You know, I've been sober over half my life. Had I not, then I may not have ever gotten to this position. You know, I can almost tell you, had I not quit what I was doing in the eighties, I'd have been dead. I really would have dead or in prison for a long time. So there's sacrifices that we need to make for the betterment of everything else that we want to do. My goal is to leave a legacy. I can't do that if I'm not 100% in mind, body, and spirit where I need to be. Yeah, absolutely. I don't really have anything to add on to that. You're speechless. I, yeah, I, I truly am. I, <laughs> you know, 
not only not only are you inspiring in the way that you you've shared your story, but you continue to inspire as well. And um, you know, I obviously when you see a friend and they they gain a little bit of weight, you you don't tend to say anything about it because it, it really has to be their decision to put their health first. And you've obviously done that, and and it shows. Well, here's the thing I'm hoping yeah, for, that I've lost a lot of weight, but I've also found it and it found its way back to me. I'm hoping this time it's forgotten how to get back. So <laughs> I'm putting it in the woods and hoping it can't find its way back. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. You know, while, while we're here and uh, you've kindly jumped on my podcast, I feel like it's about time you got some plugs in because you've been so busy sharing your story and sharing your knowledge. Can we let people know a little bit about your music industry beauty? <laughs> I can't even say. Yeah, no, I got you. I got the MIB for short. That's what MIB. That's much easier. MIB. <laughs> so here, here's the best way for people to learn about me is, and, and Michael put a link in the show notes, yes. but you can go to ricksfreebook.com. Go grab yourself a copy of the book. If you want a physical copy, I've already paid for the books. You just pick up the sheet. It's 471 US, 971 international. And then, after you pick up the book, you'll be given an opportunity if you want to learn more about the courses that I create. Let me move this little, oh, he's not going to, here, we're going we're gonna to go for, all right. So somebody was walking around in the courtyard and he wanted to let him know that, hey, I'm here. Yeah. So one of the things that I did is that I'll also then tell you about if you want to learn more about my programs, here's how you can do it. I always want people to date. I want to date them first. I'm like sushi. I'm an acquired taste. I'm not for everyone. I'm pretty direct. I'm a very solutions-based person. I'm not a big rah-rah guy. I want to, you know, it's like there's people in your life that can be that, but I think there's not. We don't have enough people in our life that will give us that tough love that we need. That's who... I go get coaching from people that are tough. You know, my nutritionist is a former boxer. He's amazing. You know, Christy Code Red Nickel. She's she's the bomb, but she's very direct. And that's what I need. So if you're the type of person that wants somebody who very direct, who will provide you the solutions, help guide you to the answers. My job is not to give you all the answers. My job is to help guide you to the answers because you never want to be dependent on anyone. So I'm going to guide you to the answers. The greatest thing about having a coach is it saves you time. And that's key, is that time gets saved. Because once again, that's the one thing we can never get back. We can replenish money. We can't replenish time. So I try to make sure that everything saves you time. So yeah, so go grab a copy of the book. If you just want a digital copy, you can click on it. We'll send you a digital copy. Excellent. And uh, Rick, just to let you know, the audio was cutting out a tiny bit there. So... If any of that, what Rick just said, was unclear, I will be posting a link to Rick's book in the show notes as well. So you will definitely be able to go and get yourself a copy. There are physical copies available. There are digital copies available as well, but why not grab a physical copy? You can pick it up. You can take it anywhere. I'll sign it for you. Not that that means anything, but I always like to say thank you to the people who have invested in me. So we, we do that as well. Also, too, is I have a podcast called the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. It comes out every Monday and Thursday. Uh, I would love for you guys to subscribe, share, review, rate, whatever it is that you do, wherever it is that you hear your podcast. Uh, on Instagram, at Rick Parker Music. I tend to go live, love to do Q&As at that point, and you can get links to all my stuff in the bio and on my podcast, on the uh, Instagram page, too. Excellent. Well, I feel like it's about time. We, I know we could chat all day and there, there are many days where we have Rick, but for the sake of everyone listening, 
I think we might end it on a high note and, um, and, and wrap it up from here. Before we do end this recording, is, is there anything that you would like to pass on? It could be a, a piece of knowledge, a piece of advice, a, anything that you would like to leave the listeners with. Yeah, you know, I have a saying that's on my business card and it says, you don't drown by falling in the water, you drown by staying there. And if you feel that you're stuck right now, if you feel that you're in a situation that you just can't get yourself out of, we've all been there. You know, that that's not a new feeling. That's something that we all get. But the key is, is just every day focus on doing 1% more than you did the day before. And if you continue to do that, you'll continually grow. Don't make your goals too large. Be realistic with where you are. Associate yourself with people that will be honest with you. Uh, don't associate yourself with people that are just going to tell you how great you are all the time either. Find those people in your life that want to motivate and inspire you to be the best you that you can be because we all have it in us. We all do. You know, it's like, like I said, if I can go from living homeless on the street, strung out on crack cocaine to launching Taylor Swift, there's nothing that you guys can't do either. You know, just set your goals, make sure that they're realistic. And remember for musicians, for creatives, it's about your audience. It's not about you. You hit it on the head, Rick. I have nothing to add once again. <laughs> but look, I will just say one more time for anyone listening, uh, at Rick Barker Music, R-I-C-K-B-A-R-K-E-R Music. If you don't know how to spell music, why are you listening to this? Um, <laughs> Rick, I just want to say thank you so much. As we mentioned, time is extremely valuable and I do appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything that you've done for me and to be able to have access to you uh, and to be able to call you a friend, most important. Awesome. awesome. Back at you. Same thing. Say hi to the missus. I sure will. Thank you so much, Rick.